Well, we're honored today to have the Adult Teen Challenge Choir with us. And they do a tremendous work in bringing men back to God. How many of you have ever gotten lost before? Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? You? Well, I know you're all lost, or were, let me say it that way. The Bible said, for all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. And aren't you glad for the person that helped you find your way back to God? Well, Teen Challenge has done that for countless lives, and we welcome them here today. Brian, you're, please come up and introduce your team. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You guys, make your way up to the platform. So good to be in the house of God this morning. Yeah. It's the, um, I want to make mention the last time that we had uh, met together, we were here uh, about a year ago. We did not have even a, uh, a thought, really. Um, that, well, I, I, I take that back because our executive director has always had a thought for a phase three. We now have a phase one, a phase two, and now Teen Challenge is about to introduce of phase three. And the phase three has to do with these guys when they graduate the program. Now when they graduate the program, they're gonna be connected. They're gonna be connected straight into a vocational company that's gonna provide them, yep. Not only, not only is it gonna provide, is that company gonna provide them with the job to make money, but it's also gonna provide them with an opportunity to minister to them, an opportunity to disciple them, an opportunity for them to have a covering, that they can continue to have this covering that they have right now at Teen Challenge, yep, yep. And what they'll do is they'll, they'll, they'll sign a, uh, a contract, and that contract normally would be the six months to a year, so they either choose that six month or a year. But as things progress, as things continue, I'm sure there's gonna be some changes. So the next time you see me, I'll be talking to you guys about those changes, I'm sure of that. Uh, we have three songs for you this morning. Um, the, one of the songs we did not sing last year, which is I Speak Jesus, that's a newer one. Um, we have two very powerful testimonies. The men that you see on the platform are all a part of our second phase. To let you guys know, I'm gonna um, recap on that a little bit. The first phase is when the men come straight from wherever they are. So they got their hand up and we reach out and pull them. It doesn't matter where they are. They come in, they can, they, they can withdraw at Teen Challenge. They don't have to be shipped to the hospital to have to do that. No, they can do that there at Teen Challenge. So phase one has to do with four months. So they're in there for a full four months. They have to complete three contracts. And then when they're finished with that, they graduate onto that and they move on to a phase two. The guys that you see on the platform are all a part of phase two, and that's eight full months. So in eight months, they're a part of a phase two program. The education doesn't stop, it continues. They have 28 paces that have to be finished. There's three different lecture classes that, that they go through. Um, so it's, it, you know, the afternoons are filled with vocational time, all the mornings, are filled with academics. Okay, so those are our three phases that we have. Mm -hmm. So as, as Pastor had mentioned, yes, we are, we are fighting, fighting the epidemic. There is an epidemic as we all are aware of that. 
It's not getting any better. It just seems to be getting a little bit worse as time continues, as the future looks upon us as, oh, we're going to introduce this new. We're going to introduce this new. We're going to introduce everything seems to be designer anymore. Everything's in, you know, in chic, if you will. Well, so are the drugs. So are the drugs. They do, it doesn't stop. It just continues, and they get worse, and they get worse. So we're combating that daily, daily. Amen? Would you guys like to hear a song? I'd like to introduce to you the first song that we have for you is I Speak Jesus, and the lyrics say everything.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Would you guys like to hear a testimony? We have a very powerful testimony. Now, I want to make mention that, you know, last year we did have a few more guys on the platform. I believe we had a little bit over 20. This year we have 14. And, and the reason for that is every month we have a certain amount of men that complete the program. And those numbers, we, we don't get to control those numbers at all. So at times we'll have 14 guys in one month graduate. And there's times that we'll have two, two men graduating in one month. It just so happened that last month we lost four, four guys. But the month before that, we lost five. So that's nine guys in two months. There is a complete revamp of the choir that you'll see here probably next month. Everybody will be new. But that's what happens. It just, it's, a, it's a rotation. So, I, and I want to say this, the reason I bring that up is you guys sound pretty good for 14. I, if not, if not better than the 20 guys from last year, amen? <laughs> so, three of the men that you see standing before you on the platform are staff interns. And one of those staff interns, Ben, if you will make your way here. Ben's been with us only a little over a month. So here you go, Ben. Good morning, everybody. Hope everybody's doing good. As Brian said, my name is Ben uh, Dalton, and I'm from Colorado, from a town called Grand Junction. I'm 27 years old, and I had a really good uh, child Hood growing up. Uh, my parents always did a really good job of trying to raise us in church and setting a, a good example for us kids. I have one sister, and they, they did their best to always have us in church, and both of my parents uh, had their fair share with drugs and alcohol growing up, and so they made it, um, they really made it important to us that, you know, we didn't do that and that they, they tried to raise us um, the way that uh, God, they were just try, uh, uh, trying to always be a godly example for us and just raise us up in the right way. So growing up, I had a really good childhood, and um, I, I really had high hopes for myself. Um, and my parents had high hopes for me. They were pushing me to go to school, to go to college. I played sports, and uh, I did did good in school. I had good grades, and um, so I was hoping to go to college, and I got saved when I was really young in children's church, and then in 2012, when I was a junior in high school, is when uh, God really changed my life. I was at a, a summer camp with my youth group, and uh, God really set me on fire at that youth camp, and I started to find out that I had a calling on my life to do ministry, and I was excited about that, and I was on fire for God, and I wanted to, to go after that and just to go after God with everything I had. And around that time is when I started uh, hanging out with the wrong crowd and getting involved with, in things that I shouldn't have been doing. I started smoking weed uh, with some of my friends and drinking, started partying. And because of the way my family and my parents raised me, how they, they really stressed um, not doing that kind of stuff. And also my dad was really hard on me growing up. He wanted the best for me. Um, 
And, you know, he always just had a really high standard for me, and it kind of created this thing where I felt like I could never uh, make him happy, and um, think what I did was never good enough. And so whenever I fell short of that, um, that goal that he had for me to never do drugs or alcohol, it really uh, just sent me into rebellion really, really hard, and I decided, you know, I had already done the worst thing I could have ever done, you know, to disappoint my parents, so it's like, well, I'm just going to keep going with it now, so uh, I, I never really progressed past um, uh, weed and uh, alcohol, but I just kept doing those for uh, the next 10 years of my life, just getting drunk and getting high, uh, just going through life, and one good thing that I did do was I always stayed in church, um, and like I said, I knew I had that calling for ministry on my life, so I always kind of had one foot in church and one foot in the world, and I went to a discipleship program after high school, and like I said, just still one foot in the world, one foot in the church, and kept doing what I was doing. I always hid my addictions from people. I was ashamed. Uh, I had a lot of uh, condemnation from the enemy, guilt, and uh, I ended up going home after I got done. I did three years at that discipleship program, then I went back home, and I uh, started getting involved back in my home church, um, doing children's ministry, just kind of volunteering and helping out, um, and they asked me, it wasn't too long after doing that, and they asked me if I wanted to be the children's pastor, and because um, they they knew too that um, I had been at that discipleship program, and they wanted me to use, you know, to be used by God in my calling and do ministry, so uh, like I said, I hadn't told anybody about what was going on in my life, so I said yes, and I started uh, doing children's ministry, being the children's pastor, and just still with this this hidden life over here and then trying to do ministry over here and it just wasn't working out for me and um, I was just working and I just wasn't happy really in life um, as far as like my secular life I wasn't really going anywhere I was just paying uh, bills I was working a job pay that I didn't like paying bills just going through life uh, just really depressed um, and so I just, you know, I realized that I didn't want to keep doing this, but I just was just stuck. And I felt like God gave me this illustration of what addiction is like. It's kind of like being on a train where, and it's like the devil is the conductor. And like, so when it starts, the train is just like sitting in this train station and the devil's just the conductor saying, come on, come on, get on, get on, get on and just trying to get you to get on that train. And then, you know, it just sits in that train station waiting for you to get on. And then you get on it, the moment you get on it, it just takes off full blast, just full blown and it won't stop. The train just doesn't stop and you wanna get off that train so bad, but you can't and you're scared. You're scared to jump off that train. And that's where I was at um, for 10 years of my life, just gone like that. And, uh, like I said, my dad, he, uh, he was an alcoholic his whole life, and uh, he, um, he, he lost, he used to always tell me this, he lost most of his teens to drugs and alcohol, he lost all of his 20s, and he almost lost all of his 30s. And the day that my um, dad and mom had me 
was the night before I was born, he quit drinking. So every year, every year that I celebrate another year of, uh, another year of life, another birthday, he always uh, celebrates another year of sobriety. So it's just by the grace of God, he found God and God just delivered him. And um, one of the verses that he always shared with me was that helped him out was 1 Corinthians 10, 13, uh, which is, no temptation has overtaken me except what is common to mankind, but God is faithful. He will never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. So I'm just standing on that verse and the moment that I just decided that God, I'm going to stop trying to do it my way. I'm do it your way. And like I said about that train, uh, teen challenge was a, the way for me to just to jump off that train, to get off that train. So now I'm just, everything in my life is starting to fall into place. I'm starting to see that after a year of being a student and now being on staff for a month, I'm starting to see how God uh, has me here for a season uh, to prepare me for my next season of ministry. And uh, I've been delivered from depression and um, just building a firm foundation on God and on his word and just, uh, just uh, growing in my relationship with him. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's just really refreshing that we continue to, to have this um, revolving um, talent, if you will, uh, with, with Ben coming on board. It keeps it fresh. You know, it keeps it. So you got guys like me that's been there for 13 years. It doesn't just stay stagnant. You know, we continue to keep it fresh. So, and Ben, we appreciate it. Yeah, we do. Harrison, we appreciate it. We do. Seriously. You guys you guys are awesome. Okay? You guys Jason couldn't do it without your your commitment. So, and these guys when they come on as staff interns, they also have a commitment. And that commitment is also the same thing as what I've mentioned for phase 3. It would be either a 6-month commitment or oftentimes these guys will say, "Hey, I'm I'm going to stay on a whole full year." So that's awesome. Appreciate it. I, I do want to mention there's a, uh, there's a line in the bridge of that song, I Speak Jesus, and it's Jesus for my family. I know you guys all reacted to that when the guys, Jesus for my family. Now I say that because the men that you see standing before you have changed. They have. But you know, they talk to their, to their people. Most of them talk to their people at least three times, if not four times, sometimes every single night of the week on the phone, they, they contact them. It's not just the men that you see standing before you that have changed, but it's also their families. It's who's connected to them. Now, I can attest to that. I can say that because I have been a part of this ministry for as long as I have that families are restored. And it's not just the families being restored to the students. It's families being restored to Christ. Amen. Many, many upon many. Too numerous for me to even answer that. So I, I, I don't 
really know the number of that, but would you guys like to hear another song? <laughs> Redeemed is our next song, and it's all about redemption. It truly is all about redemption and being redeemed. You can be redeemed once, you can be redeemed twice, or you can be redeemed for the rest of your life. It's up to you. Redeemed.
Thank you, thank you. Would you guys like to hear another testimony? Yeah? <clears throat> we got a guy here who uh, just joined the choir. He didn't just join Teen Challenge, he did just join the choir. He has uh, three months, is it? Three months, three months left as a student. Um, come on, Corey, you wanna give it? You sure? You want the mic? You want me to give it to you? You want me to give you your testimony? Can y'all hear me? <laughs> Hold on. Not normally, this is his second ministry, okay? This is his second time with the choir, but not normally do I give an opportunity for somebody to, to say, hey, you're gonna give your testimony, this is his second time. It usually takes these guys a couple months, a few months, but this guy here is a natural, so wait till you hear his testimony, amen? Not to put any pressure on you. you. Uh, hey, my name is Corey Caparuso. Uh, I'm 30 years old, I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana. That's way at the bottom of the boot, about 30 miles north of the Gulf of Mexico. Um, so I, my parents split when I was young. I don't, I've never remembered them together. And um, my mom did the best she could. We moved around a lot. She uh, I had a lot of stepdads, a lot of uncles that I, I, that I found out later they weren't my uncles. They were my mom's boyfriends. Um, uh, nothing ever bad. And my mom did the best she could. She, uh, you know, she was a single mom, and, and uh, my dad stayed put. Um, and she, uh, she said when she left him, his drinking, it was getting bad. And I was probably two or three years old. Um, so you can just imagine how much it progressed through the course of my life. Um, I never knew, my dad wasn't like a, the kind of drinker that my friend's dads would have. He didn't drink some beer and uh, you know maybe get a little goofy and cook some dinner and fall asleep. My dad was a violent alcoholic. He was a blackout drinker. Um, so I, all I really remember from my dad was I never gotten affection. I never got love from him. I never really got much attention to him. I, I just knew that w once he was halfway into a bottle to leave him alone. Uh, I spent a lot of rooms in my night when my mom would drop me off at my dad's house scared uh, and I would hide in my room. And it turned, it made, it made me an angry kid. Um, Cause I was, I, I would go to my friend's house to play basketball and they would have dads who would come in the yard and play ball with us. I would stay the night at their house and their dads would cook breakfast in the morning and, 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 and it introspectively made me hate myself. Um, so about 14 years old, I started experimenting with drugs, um, searching, right, searching for who I was, um, searching for something that I wasn't um, afforded as a kid. And um, so the guys I was running with, man, by 15, 16, you know, the casual weed smoking and drinking, uh, we started messing with pills. And my, my, my friend Matt Cozio, he, um, he introduced me to Oxycontin. Um, and that changed me, it changed him too. And I remember that me and Matt were different because we could do, we would do um, some oxys from 20s, 40s or 80s, whatever we can get our hands on. And sometimes we would wake up and, and, and the difference between me and Matt and the rest of the guys were, is I would wake up and I would need to do it again. I had something inside me that was compelled to continuously alter the way I felt I needed. And some of my friends would be like, bro, that stuff was crazy. I'm not messing with it, maybe next weekend. I would wake up and I would need to chase it. Um, so about 17 years old is the first time that um, I got in big trouble. I got arrested when I was 16 for a fight. By 17, I was placed on juvenile probation just for knucklehead kid stuff, man. Being a lost teenager, getting into fights, it's cool. Um, and I, I got into some pretty big trouble. We, um, 
I got placed on juvenile probation and I didn't complete it. So when I was 18 years old, I got placed on felony adult probation and I got a DOC number. And at 19 years old, I got caught with a pocket full of pills and a stolen firearm. And in the state of Louisiana, that carries 10 to 15 years. Um, 19 years old, and I had five years suspended from me from my juvenile stuff that I didn't complete. And if you get a felony on, pro on, on probation, there's nothing that a lawyer can do for you. You violated the terms of your probation. You have to serve out a hard labor sentence. So, uh, so from 19 to 22, I was incarcerated. Um, and I, and I lost myself still not knowing who I was. I knew that, I, 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 that jail changed me and then I changed into somebody that could um, survive. Um, and the thing, the, the thing about being in institutions is it's scary because whenever it's time for you to get out and go back into society, you get nervous. I was so maladjusted to society that I would get nervous. I would get nervous around crowds. I get nervous around women. Um, I, would get, I would get nervous because I was in, um, chaos for so long and I, and, I, and I not only did I get comfortable there but I thrived in that type of environment so by the time I got out of prison everybody that I used to run with my buddy Matt that I told you about had moved to heroin and, uh, and, he, and he had died from it um, and, that, and that was my best friend in the whole world I would run away from my dad's house and go sleep in Matt's house and his mom would take me in and, and so the first one for me was the worst one now I've lost plenty of tens of twenties more friends and running partners and then Matt was the, the first one it was the hardest and you think that would deter me but it didn't um, my addiction progressed and I eventually hooked up with a chick um, who convinced me it was a good idea to put a needle in my arm and, and let me tell you this all it takes is one time you put a needle in your arm one time and, and uh, it takes your soul away from you um, it alters the way you view yourself, and there's, that's it, that's the bottom of the barrel. There's no lower than that. And it, and it, and it took everything good I had left in me. And uh, not only did it deplete it, but I, I, just, I, I didn't have anything left. So uh, I, I started messing with, uh, with heroin and then started dabbling with IV meth, and uh, it just got dark. So I say all that to say this, man, I have to let y'all know how, how far down the drug addiction took me to, 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 to understand what, what a miracle it is that God chose a sinner like me to be saved. Um, <clears throat> so in Louisiana, they'll send you to 28-day treatment centers 12 months out of the year. You could spend, you can go to a different one every month of the year if you wanted to. Quick fixes for a long-term problem. And at all these places, all these 28-day programs, they teach you spirituality is the antidote to addiction. A, a relationship with a higher power is the antidote to addiction. And, and you're trying to tell a kid who was scarred and traumatized since a toddler, I didn't know what protection or higher power was or love. I had a skewed idea of who God the Father was. I didn't trust my father on earth, so how am I going to tr trust a creator God? So I, I didn't know how to stay clean. I would go to all these 28 days, and I would try to get quick fixes, and I didn't need a higher, a higher power taught to me. I needed Jesus to intercede to God the Father for me. That's exactly what happened. Um, I have been trying to get clean, and, and y'all, I couldn't stay clean more than 10 days. It was a struggle for me to stay clean 10 minutes. 
and I surrendered my life to God and I let Jesus be the Lord of my life and I started studying scripture and learning things in the stuff that Brian was just talking about, the learning center and the home center, the first four of my life, my, I devoured the word of God, I devoured it. I, read, I must have read all four of the gospels probably four or five times in four months in different translations. I couldn't get enough of it because it became personable, personal to me. Um, he made himself real to me. And um, so, I, I, that's, so I got almost 10 months clean. And, I, and look, the glory is to God. I do not, please do not get it twisted. I'm not up here saying praise me. I have 10 months clean. God gave me 10 months clean. And I know if I follow Jesus for the rest of my life, I can stay clean 24 hours at a time because I wake up in the morning and I surrender my life to him. Luke 19.10, Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek out and save those who are lost. Thank you, Corey. Not, not much left else to say after that one, so let's go ahead and sing a song, God, You're So Good.
glad today to know that there's a God that's good to you. God never promised that we wouldn't have trying times. He just promised you'd never be there alone. This young man was giving his testimony, and I felt your heart. And, you know, I, I thought about why he was so emotional is because, you know, nobody knows like you know where God brought you from. And the miracle it took to reach you. That's why God is so good. And I want you to understand something today that no matter where you're at in life, no matter what it is you're facing, the same miracle working God that reached into these young men's lives and rescued them can rescue you. We don't all have the same challenges. The devil's more inventive than that. We don't all struggle with the same things, but we all struggle. And in the midst of God's sovereignty, in the midst of his mercy, he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you, but I'll go with you to the ends of the earth. So I, I want to do something a little bit different today. I just feel this in my spirit. I'm going to ask you if you're involved in a struggle, if you'll come to the front of this building this morning, I'm going to ask these young men to pray for you. I want to give you a moment as you come right now. You may need God to give you a miracle in your finance. It may be in your body. But I'm just telling you that the same faith, I thought when, that, when these guys were testifying and singing, and I was thinking about the boldness, all right. I was thinking about the boldness that it took for them to finally reach a point where they said, here I am, God. When you reach a pit that you don't want to be in, you start looking for a way out. Unfortunately, most of the times when you get to the bottom of that pit, you can't find a way out. And you know you can't get out by yourself. But there's a God that's constantly calling our name, that's there to rescue us. So we're going to pray for you today. I'm going to ask Regina if she would come. All these guys, I want you to just circle around her. She got a bad report this past week, but we've heard what the doctors say. But how many of you know that the doctors don't get the last say? And so the same faith that rescued these men is the same miracle working power that can heal our bodies. And that's what we're believing God for. We're agreeing together that God is going to dissolve this tumor. Amen. Would you guys stretch your hands forth with me? Father, we thank you mm. for your healing power. 
God, today we unite our voices in agreement that you are able, that you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God that heals. So, Father, we speak it over her today. God, we ask, Father, for doctors to be amazed. We're asking you, God, to let them see a noticeable change. We give you praise for it today. And we thank you now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, give me a hand clap of praise, church. you just stretch your hands to heaven these guys are going to kind of slide in behind you so if you would go in behind them move them up like cattle everybody scoot in here scoot in there's a God that loves you a God that cares for you you know I don't know none of us know how much time we get here it's just that I don't want to waste any time and honestly if I go home tomorrow, I got no regrets, man. I've had a great life. I feel like I've lived three or four lifetimes. And I've seen God visit in every stage of those lifetimes. So you hear me, sometimes we get hung up in the moment we're in. The moment you're in isn't your final moment. God's got a plan. And there's not enough devils in hell to keep that plan from happening when you say yes. So as you stretch your hands to heaven with me today, let your faith reach out and touch God, not just for yourself, but for someone else. I was thinking about how that God will use even the bad things and work it for good. I thought about these young men here and what they went through in their lives and, and it was bad. Nobody wants to experience that. Nobody wants to go through that. But I thought about how God used you today, guys. How he used the bad thing you went through to touch hearts in this building today. And you know what that's like? That's like the God taking the devil by the nap of the neck and saying, you tried to destroy him. Now I'm going to show you what I'm going to do with him. I'm going to use them to bring life. So if, I, I just want to say this to you. We're going to pray for you, need, but if you're in here today and you don't know him, all you got to do is say yes. Say yes. My dad took me to the Dairy Queen years ago. There was five of us kids and everybody was ordering, you know. My brother got a big brownie delight and another one got banana split and another one got this and that and I'm sitting there looking at that and as a, a eight-year-old I'm thinking about how much that's going to cost my dad so when it came to my turn he said what do you want and I looked at him and I said I'll just take a small ice cream cone and he looked at me and he said, what is it? That's all you want? I said, Dad, I just want a small ice cream cone because I was afraid of what it was going to cost him. 
my dad came back to the car with the biggest ice cream cone I'd ever seen. Man, it was stacked that high. And, it, and you say, well, what's got to, got to do with anything? Well, it dawned on me that my heavenly Father is able to do exceeding and abundantly more than you can ask or think. You don't have to worry about him running out or being unable. He is more than enough. So whatever your need is today as you stretch your hands, I just want you to say this, yes, Lord. I believe you. Yes, Lord. I open my heart and ask you in. Yes, Lord. I will not walk away from your presence. And yes, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I am going to trust you when shadows come rolling in, when storms begin to rail again. I am going to trust you because I know, God, you're going to make the sun shine again. I give you praise for it, and I thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. Come on and give my hand clap of praise in this house today. We love you all. We have a dinner immediately following over at the Life Center. We want to invite you to come and be with us. Get to meet these young men. You can talk to them, get to know their testimony. We got fried chicken. We got barbecue. I don't know what we got over there, but whatever it is, let's go over there and discover it together. Uh, if you don't have a side, come on anyway. You can stop at Kroger if you want to and buy something I like. Just come and ask me what that is. <laughs> we love you all. God bless you. We're going to pray right now. When we pray now, we're going to pray for the food over there, all right? So when you get over there, let them know we've already prayed and you guys can start to eat. Father, we thank you, God, for this team that's been with us today. We thank you, God, for the blessing that they've been. We ask you, Lord, to bless the food this afternoon, God, and give us a great time of fellowship in your presence, and we give you all the glory for it. We ask that you bless the offering that we're taking up as people leave. God, that they'll bless this team that's been with us. Let them give God from the depths of their heart. And I know, God, that you'll open up the windows of heaven and pour back out to them a blessing they can't contain. And I give you praise for it right now in Jesus' name. Ushers are stationed at doors. Don't leave without seeing an usher. And uh, let this team know how much you appreciate it coming. God bless you. We love you.